Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. How we doing, everybody? This is your host, Jared Shaffit, along with Artemis Brower. We're coming to you this week with episode 24. 24. 24. It's a special episode. It's our Kobe episode. Oh, day after his birthday, too. Mm-hmm. See, I, 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 was thinking, I was thinking our Gordon episode, Jeff Gordon, but that, that just shows where I'm from. <laughs> no disrespect to Jeff Gordon, but I'm picking Kobe. <laughs> this is our Kobe episode. So... Uh, we we got we got a pretty good episode on tap for y'all today. Um, this week, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. We we had a great interview with with a great guest, uh, the director of marketing and fan engagement for East Carolina University mm-hmm. and the athletic department um, joined us this week. His name's Eric Ward. He'll he'll be on a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, Artie, from our conversation with Eric the other day, what was what was your thoughts? Um. The, the conversation really flowed really well, um, you know, because we didn't have any questions written down before we interviewed him. So, I mean, for, for that whole interview just to, to flow the way it did was really cool. Um, his job, man, I mean, it's got to be tough. To, That's a hell of a job. <laughs> it's a hell of a job. I mean, fan engagement and marketing when we might not have any fans in the in the stands this, this season. Uh, so, kudos to him continuing to do a good job, continuing to want to stress the, the efforts of getting um, – you know, in the future seasons, getting more fan involved, involvement, um, marketing our teams better, especially when it comes to basketball, which is something that, you know, nobody knows about ECU basketball, not yet. So uh, kudos to him and kudos to, to, you know, everything that he's doing on campus. And uh, I think it's a great interview. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed what he had to say about the things that they've done in the past and what their plans are to do in the future mm-hmm. um, for ECU sporting events. I mean, Take, taking into account like what gets the players motivated to do well on the field, and also uh, really liven up the crowd mm-hmm. um, for EC. I mean that that's that that's always important. I mean you you want to have a a good um, start. So I mean think about the the entrance video, the all the play the playlist, and all all those things go into that mm-hmm. to create that energy. That I mean we all know. Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, when there's fans in there, I mean, hopefully we'll be able to have some fans in there this year. I mean, that that's a top-notch environment to play college football. Yeah, when it's, when it's packed, yeah. And we, we – talking about environments, I, I want to kind of give ourselves a shout-out. We had a phenomenal tweet earlier this <laughs> earlier this week. Uh, we, we added Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, Kirk, if you're listening – Feel free anytime. Kirk is not listening. Come down to the. We wish he was. He's not listening. He's listening. He's not. Hey, <laughs> he's listening. I know it. You can feel it in your. In I, your, I can in feel your, it in, in my spirit. soul. Yeah, um, Kirk, if you're listening, come down to Greenville. We'll, we'll have a grand old time. We'll show you how to how to tailgate like true pirates. Not but hell with that, we gotta get a game day. If I'll well, talk to Kirk Herbstreit. I want to get a game day in Greenville. We'll we'll, we'll be the celebrity guest pickers on, on game day. <laughs> how about that? Um, but yeah, the video we put out of, I mean, you had the whole stadium student section mm-hmm. singing Living on a Prayer. I mean, that, that's become a great tradition. I mean, I remember when that tradition started um, that Thursday night, I believe, in 2015 or maybe it was 2014. No, I don't think we started that tradition, but we, I think we do it the best, to be honest with you. I mean, no, other, other schools do similar things, but mm-hmm. Living on a Prayer is ours, right? I don't. I don't know of any other school that does. I mean, live I, on a prayer like we I don't. Do. I don't know any other school. I'm, I just know we're not the only school that does it. Yeah, that that was the whole thing of the tweet. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they were talking about Penn State singing "Sweet Caroline" and Penn State's not playing football this year. We know that for sure. Mm-hmm. And then Tennessee uh, singing. Uh, what, what were they singing? They were singing, singing "Rocky Top," man. No, no, they were singing. Um, they were singing. Which I, you know, it's hard to. Top they, Rocky Top. They were singing Garth. They were singing Garth Brooks. Uh, I don't know any Garth Brooks. You don't know Garth? Come on, man. I'm. Uh, come on, Jared. I don't. I don't know. I don't know any Garth Brooks. If if you if you Bro- if you were to name a famous song from him, probably I, I know he's like the most famous country artist of all time. But Gar- Garth Brooks is the Michael Jackson of country music. That's great. He's the goat. That's you, great. You can't name me one. <laughs> Garth Brooks. Song. I couldn't name you one Garth Brooks song. I, I if you played a Garth Brooks song, I, oh, okay, yeah, I know that song. I couldn't name you his one of his songs. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> really? Wow. 
Wow. Learning, I'm learning a lot about you. Wow. Rodeo. Um, my, my favorite, I, I wanted this to be my, mine and my wife's first dance. She, mm-hmm. she nixed this real quick. Mm-hmm. It was one of a kind working on a full house. That, you want to talk about some? I'm a, I'm a, who do I, who, I didn't, I'm a, I, I didn't listen to country growing up. But if I had to like pick any artists that I've followed vaguely, Shania Twain, Hootie and the Blowfish. It was Friends in Low Places that they were singing. That's uh, it. That, you, you know that one. My mom loves Shania Twain. It's the only reason why I know about Shania Twain. You, you know Friends in Low Places. Though, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know Friends in Low Places has a secret fifth verse. Who sings Tennessee Whiskey? Uh, that's Chris Stapleton. I like that guy too. Uh, man. <laughs> um, just a, I, know the, I know we're an ECU podcast and we, we don't talk country music. We don't talk music much on here. But I want to give a shout out to somebody that, I mean, is not being played enough on, on the radio. Mm-hmm. It's this guy. He's from West Virginia. His name's Tyler Childers. I guarantee, like, it's kind of a folky country music. Go listen to him. You're going you're gonna to love it. Feathered Indians, one of my favorite songs. Go, go listen to it. See, the way you feel about basketball is the way I feel about country music. I don't hate it. I'm just not gonna be in my car listening to it. <laughs> Man, I, I mean, I don't, I don't listen to much music in the car. I mean, I, I listen to music when I'm out on the beach or sometimes playing golf. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just not gonna be listening. I, I listen to podcasts. I listen to the Boneyard podcast every single day, man. No, you don't. No, you're right. <laughs> but that's the thing. Do you ever listen? Yeah, of course I listen. You, you listen to, to the podcast. To our podcast? I, I, li- I to be honest, I listen up to like. Yeah, when, when the ad plays and then I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I listen, I listen to at least once a week, man. But I, all the way through. Then, then again, I also listen. We have to be able to critique ourselves and listen. Yeah, but to I, like, I, I also listen to it when I'm editing the podcast. So oh, okay, yeah, I, I end up listening to it three or four times over. Yeah, so. no, I, yeah, I, I definitely listen to it. <laughs> but I feel like I have to. But we're uh we're we're seven and a half minutes into the podcast. We haven't even really talked about talk any sports about anything of of note. Um, so some big news came down, I believe it was on Thursday afternoon, um, right before we were getting ready to join the coaches press conference, uh, post post practice press conference. Um, we got, we got the email from ECU athletics saying, Hey, we're going to shut down again. Mm-hmm. Um, this came, this came after coach Mike Houston and athletic director, John Gilbert got together and said, Hey, looking at the testing results, I believe we had, um, 10 members of the ECU football team, not saying co- coaches, players, it, it could be either or, it could be a mix, mm-hmm. um, saying that at least 10 of those at- people associated with ECU football have contracted the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they decided to shut down, much like NC State, UNC have, were doing uh, here recently, um, and ECU's done it before. Mm-hmm. I expect this shutdown to not, to not really last that long. Uh, I expect it to last maybe a week, at if that, maybe a well, half they, week. They got to quarantine for at least what seven days. Yeah, they they got to quarantine until they get. I, th- I believe it's two positive or two negative tests. Okay. Um. So they'll they'll be able to test and and see if they test negative, and then um, they'll be able to quarantine and do some contact tracing to make sure that none of the not everybody on the football team gets it. Um. That, that's that's the big thing, and I mean. It, it kind of surprised me when when we had that. We were doing so good. Our last podcast, we literally talked about this is what the coach was saying. We were saying, he said, literally, I'm really happy with our testing results. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened? We brought everybody back into Greenville, all the students. They come in, and they brought it with them and got our football team uh, Infected some of the guys on the football team. Well, I, do we know that for sure though? I mean, I, I don't want to just blame the the, the kids coming in. You, you can't. Then, okay. <laughs> no, they're all college it, students. It's they not. It's not for sure. But right. The the fact that you see a spike that quickly after mm-hmm. the students come back, and you know it's a week and a half after the students come back on campus and classes start. Which I I think this is bound to happen. Which I is it was a good effort to try to get the kids to come back to campus, but it wasn't going to work. 
it, I just never saw that happening, working with having actual students in classrooms with professors on campus. I just didn't see that working. So I didn't think it was going to be shut down that quick, but <laughs> I never saw that happening for a full fall semester, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. Um I, we were we had this later on in the show notes, but mm-hmm. we'll go ahead, we'll go ahead and talk about what we just got. I mean, breaking news just came across right before we started recording the podcast, saying ECU online classes from here on out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we were all expecting it. We all knew it was coming. Right? It's unfortunate, especially for those that just moved back into Greenville or right. or just moving in as freshmen. I mean, a week ago. <laughs> You're just settling in, and I was like, "No, you got to go home." Yeah, I mean, I, unfortunately, that that's what's happened. I I um, wish it wasn't this way. Now, I do think that benefits the football team. It does definitely because they can now implement a true bubble scenario. They don't have any outside, you know, things going on as far as other students being on campus, so they can actually legitimately create a bubble-like scenario and have everyone healthy, and the only time they are going out or leaving is when they go to play a game. So um, I think it's going to benefit not not just football, but all the sports for, for, for the fall. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think looking at it, I was uh, – at first I was wary about this. I mean, looking at it from a financial standpoint from for the university, it's not good. I mean, it's just not. No. But – Looking at it from a fan perspective and wanting to get a football season, um, I, I think this is the best opportunity. I think this is what we're going to see eventually across the across the country, across all campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, all campuses will eventually go back to online only. I I feel so. I mean, I just feel terrible for the freshmen that. Are coming in. This is their first college experience. Like I would not want to go home. Mm-hmm. I would not want to go home a week into my college career. That would be brutal. You don't get to make those friends. And I, I think this will set up for universities down the line. I think this. You're, what we're seeing is a shift in the dynamic of how colleges operate. We are going to see less and less students going to college. When they can take courses online, online yep. or go to a community college right out of high school, which I think is a true shame because I mean you, you you need that college experience. I mean you definitely need to be able to be on your own, having to figure things out on your own, getting outside and actually experience, experiencing different cultures, different people, different subjects, different topics. You you only really get that when you're on a campus getting that full college experience. I'm not just I'm not talking about the partying. I'm talking about actual. Immersing yourself. Amongst. I'm talking about the partying. <laughs> immersing yourself with different people, and that's. I, I think it sucks because they're not going to get that. It's going to be. I mean, sitting at home behind a computer screen. I mean, think about it, Artie. If this had happened our freshman year, you and I wouldn't be doing a podcast no, no, right we, now. We wouldn't be here. We, we wouldn't be here. We would. I'd probably be doing a podcast with somebody else, mm-hmm. not you. And somebody, I'm glad I'm doing it. With somebody you. that knows Garth Brooks. Somebody that knows Garth Brooks. <laughs> Some. Somebody also that, I don't know, you'd probably be doing one with somebody that enjoys NBA. And oh, yeah. <laughs> We'd probably be doing an NBA podcast. <laughs> how, about, how about we'll start a podcast conglomerate and, uh, and you can have your own NBA podcast and I'll, I'll do other things. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> yeah, so ECU just announced, like I said, all classes going to be online. Mm-hmm. They're going to move these students out. And, I mean, I know – for instance, my brother-in-law, I mean, he's a student at UNC. He's been at home. He, he didn't go back to college. He didn't go back. He's taking all of his classes online at UNC, doing that every single day. And I, I know that it's bothering him that he's not able to go back, but he knows that he made the right decision not to go back. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's he got to experience college at least somewhat. He'll probably, gradu- he'll be, probably be able to graduate a little bit early, but he got to experience the first two years of college or mm-hmm. first year and a half, really, of college. And now, who knows if he'll go back to Chapel Hill. Who knows? If, I mean, there's a lot of these juniors and seniors. Who knows if they're going to just come back mm-hmm. 
Think about the impact, the financial impact that it's going to have on the universities, the impact it's going to have on the towns. I mean, Greenville, Greenville, North Carolina is a college town. It's a town built around the college and one that serves the university. Every every business in Greenville serves the university. And that's why you see so much so much of these southern cities push for at least to have a football season. Because yep. they know financially they're not going to be able to bounce back for years from this. I mean, not, it's not just Greenville. It's a whole bunch of these small southern I mean, college towns. Clemson. Clemson. Boone. Boone. Yep. Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a small town. I mean, that stadium is the by far the biggest thing in that in that county for miles. I mean, Auburn, Auburn's not a big city. So, a whole bunch of these small southern cities where the entire city is just built around that institution. Um it, they're really going to suffer, and especially if they if they're not able to have a a football season. So that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, especially some of these universities. I mean, that they've. I mean, really, the smaller universities that still have a good fan base. I mean, I think I really do think this is going to have a major impact on Greenville. Mm-hmm. Um, Greenville and ECU. I mean, ECU is not a. It's a large campus in. When you're looking at the um, student body, mm-hmm. but the ECU is not. I mean, that, that's all there is, really. I mean, that's all that's in Greenville. It's like ECU. I remember this interesting stat when I was. Well, we do uh, have an abnormally ginormous hospital campus. Yeah, <laughs> Vidant is huge. But but that's the thing. Vidant serves all. But of it Eastern serves. North yeah, Carolina. it serves. It serves. And then yeah. you have. But that's that's what I was going to get at. East Carolina, number one employer in Pitt County. Mm-hmm. Then it's Vidant, and then it's the county. So <laughs> you've got those three are the biggest employers in mm-hmm. Pitt County, and then you're looking at it from a perspective of, okay, you've wiped out the need for, or you're, you're going to have to furlough all of these people from ECU now they're going to be unemployed they're going to not be getting a paycheck you're talking about someone somewhere somewhere between what 40 to 50 percent of the county is working associated with it's probably not that high with 30 35 it's probably yeah it's probably closer to 30 percent of the county working population it's a large number no it's a very large number is working for the university at the university Mm -hmm. supporting the university and yeah, we're we're in hard times now, and I I wasn't expecting for us to go this deep into it, mm. but here we are. Hopefully, what we'll have, hopefully we'll have a college football season, and we'll see the Pirates uh, do better than what we expect, and um, be able to make noise and and keep on keep this thing moving. Um, bring light to a dark world, especially um, one where ECU students aren't in Greenville, providing small businesses with income. I mean, bars and restaurants are are going to be hurting in Greenville, and we our thoughts are with them. So um, we we want them to succeed, and mm-hmm. and that that's that's all I'm going to say on that. I mean, it it's tough, but. ECU is going to online. But, Artie, we still have a football season so far. And we are going to hopefully have fans. And so I say, I say, why don't we go to our interview mm-hmm. with Eric Ward and then uh, we'll pick it up from there. Okay? Let's get to it. Our next guest today, uh, he's a member of the ECU Athletics um, faculty and staff. His name is Eric Ward. He's, so he's the Director of Marketing and Fan Engagement for East Carolina. He joined in January 2017. Uh, he's currently oversees the day-to-day operations of the marketing unit and serves as the primary marketing contact for Pirate football, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, and lacrosse. 
Uh, Eric, how's it going? Welcome to the Boneyard Podcast. Jared, Artie, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, it's going great. It's a beautiful Friday in Greenville. And, uh, hey, man, we have football in a few weeks. Uh, we, so right. very we, excited for that. Yeah, we do. We're, we're super excited about that. Um, it, it's been a It's been a hectic ride over the past six months, to say the least. So I, I wanted to kind of ask you, first off, your day-to-day, I mean, you get most of the things together for – for the game day and fan engagement, you get most of the stuff together for, for that experience. How has it been preparing for a football season where we're going to, we're definitely going to see reduced fans. If we see any fans, how's that been? Uh, It's been crazy. You know, I'm a pretty positive person. And so, uh, you know, I've enjoyed at least from the angle of having to be creative. I think it's kind of pushed the boundaries of what we can do. Um, you know, my role on, on game days, uh, particularly at this point for football and, and baseball, is kind of navigating all the different elements that go into a game and scripting it out. So that might be, um, you know, your sponsorship elements, what goes on the video board, you know, what the cheer and uh, dance teams are doing, the marching band, um, you know, the audio, the DJ. So all that kind of flows through. Um, you know, the game day producer role, which is what I do. And so, as you can imagine, there have been a lot of uh, questions with not as many answers because we're all just day to day uh, navigating through a very fluid situation. And uh, it's been fun. I mean, I think that we have a good idea of what we're going to do, depending on a variety of situations. But the most important thing for me, you know, not just in this current moment, but, you know, always is serving Pirate Nation. So whatever that means for this season, you know, we're going to do our absolute best job to, to handle that appropriately. Yeah. And I, I think that, I think that's important and you've done a, I mean, you've done a phenomenal job. I, I know that um, it, it's a tough job when you have such a diverse fan base. Um, can you kind of give me some details on, or some kind of an insight into how you, prepare for a game or how you schedule out through the game? Yeah. So um, in a normal season uh, for football, I would be writing my first game script in May or June um, and putting together an idea of what, you know, goes by. So in a typical football game, you have uh, three timeouts in the first and third quarters, four in the second and fourth. All of them have varying lengths of time. And then you have a three-minute, 25-second quarter break and 20 minutes for halftime. And so, you know, my job is basically finding the ways to occupy all of those spaces, um, not so much inundating fans, but planning out to the second what you're going to do to keep them, you know, entertained and engaged. Now, of course, there are several financial components of that, um, significant ones for the, you know, sponsorship elements that fill those, but, you know, our goal has been over the last couple of years to really sort of morph those into the most fan friendly experience. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting away from PAs as much as we can. Um, I certainly hired a DJ a couple of years ago. I thought that was a huge decision, uh, revamping what the intro video looks like. Uh, last year we worked on the band show and the team intro and kind of enhancing purple haze. We had the pirate lights. So all of this stuff really is discussed months before the season. Uh, but then when you get down to the nitty gritty on game weeks, I mean, they're they're pretty crazy. So I, I typically have what looks like a final game script, which is anywhere in the range of 50 to 60 pages done on Monday night of game week. Um, and then there are tweaks throughout the week that, you know, we adjust. But, you know, we have a working crew of 30 or so people who depend on that document. So uh, it's pretty important to have the plan done earlier in the week so that we all have uh, an idea of exactly how the game's going to go like the back of our hand. And then, you know, as you guys know, as big sports fans, I mean, it's a live event and you never know what's going to happen. So the more prepared you can be, the better because situations change throughout the game constantly that you have to adjust to. Got you. Now, Eric, you spent some time in Lubbock at, uh, at Texas tech. Yes, sir. Yeah. Things. How did, how did that position with them and your time there prepare you for the role here at ECU? Well, I appreciate you asking that. I uh, I did really enjoy my time at Texas Tech. Uh, it was a unique experience. I mean, I'm a I'm a Southern Virginia boy. Uh, you know, this is kind of my my area that you know, I know what the culture's like. And so, heading all the way out to West Texas was uh, I don't want to say a culture shock, but it was just a great experience. 
um, some of the nicest people you ever meet. And, you know, very similar fan base to East Carolina, just a very proud tradition, um, kind of the chip on the shoulder, swagger attitude. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, in itself was a huge benefit coming to East Carolina, having been there because they are so similar. But, you know, I was in a unique opportunity there. I was actually hired uh, to be the baseball guy at, at Tech. They were sort of morphing, you know, the the department, the promotions and fan engagement unit, as they were called there, and, and really wanted to start putting a focus on, on baseball. Um, the coach there, Tim Tadlock, uh, he had been there during the 90s when Texas Tech was very good at baseball, and and they had kind of fallen on some tough times and, and really a fan base had sort of gone dormant. And so when they had an opening in that area, he was looking for somebody who could really boost what they were trying to do with the fans for baseball. And I'd been at South Carolina and I'd met Coach Tadlock uh, in a super regional in 2011 or 12, somewhere in there when he was at Oklahoma. And long story short, he made a short list of people that, you know, he, he thought could benefit that experience. And so uh, I ended up going through the job process and getting it. But, you know, my role with baseball actually quickly changed. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was working with Tubby Smith with uh, his first season there and was really kind of part of the the beginnings of the growth of the basketball program. And so I think that was instrumental for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I inherited a a fan base that I'm not exaggerating when I say, you know, Tubby Smith used to Midnight Madness at Kentucky and all that. You know, Mm -hmm. we had that event his first season and 90 people showed up. And wow. so, you know, it was it was about as bad as you can imagine. Yeah. And then I got the, the the thrill of seeing that same program, you know, six years later playing on Monday night in April for a national championship. Mm-hmm. So I think that for me was very impactful, understanding what what you can do day to day greatly affects these programs. And you can see how fast these programs can build with the right people and the right mindset working together to accomplish a goal. That's awesome. Now, do you do you believe that this pandemic has permanently changed your position or do you think it can go on as normal sometime in the near future? That's a great question. I think there are going to be some ripple effects that none of us know or understand. They're going to last for a long time. Um, One, I think I am a little concerned about and I I know for a fact my peers in the industry are is, um, you know, we've been battling and I hate to use the word battling, but we've been battling television for the last 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. You know, starting with the advent of, of HD, there's been a, a significant shift in the paradigm of college athletics where, you know, people are OK watching games at home because you get to see all the angles and experience that. And so, you know, part of myself and my team's job is, is providing that experience. Now, you guys know just as well as me, there's nothing like being there for Purple Haze and no quarter and, and those yeah. experiences like you can't replicate that at home. Um but I do wonder, you know, without a season, potentially, you know, for some of these schools, especially already without fans, you know, do you get more comfortable being at home? I hope that's not the case. Um, you know, my team is going to spend a great deal of focus this year uh, during our game days with whatever our capacity is, making sure that we're spotlighting these moments and reminding fans that, you know, it is truly a, a spectacle. And, you know, I, I grew up as a as a college football fan, literally going to games from the time I was four months old. So, I mean, I, I was that kid that was tailgating and throwing the ball around the parking lot and, you know, spending time eating your chicken and whatever for six hours before the game. Like I was that kid. So you can't replicate that experience. Um, I'm hopeful that that post covid uh, people continue to feel that way. Um, but I certainly think we're going to have some challenges uh, moving forward in retaining you know all of our fans. Yeah, that, that kind of brings up a good point. I, I don't I don't know if this would be something that you would deal with, or I'm I'm sure you're involved in the conversations. I know a lot of Pirate Nation and a lot of, a lot of ECU fans are worried. I mean, are we going to be able to tailgate this season? Do you would do you have any insight into into that question? Yeah, I wish I did, Jared. Uh, I'm with you because I know that's a huge part of game days, but you know. Like it, all the conversations that we've had, and, and John Gilbert's been incredible, I want to say real quick, with um, his transparency through this process, because there are a lot of days where, you know, we all get questions and we unfortunately don't have answers. Um, but John, I know, has been great that whenever that information, you know, is available to him, he makes it known to the staff and then very quickly thereafter to the public. Um, you know, we've done a great job with, uh, you know, 
handling our health procedures. I, I know some other schools have had a lot of problems. Of course, you guys saw the news yesterday, we, you know, temporarily pausing the football activities for the second time. But, you know, there, there have been far worse situations at other schools. And so I, I commend, you know, everybody here for, for making, you know, health and safety the most important priority over everything. Uh, that being said, who knows what that means for tailgating. Um, I really don't know at this point in time. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was something that, you know, most every school says no or not. I mean, I know Florida State yesterday came out and, and said they're discouraging that. I believe South Carolina did as well. So, you know, I, I do lean on the side of that's probably going to be, you know, a little bit more unlikely this year. But, uh, you know, I can't honestly answer that for you. Yeah, and that, that's totally understandable. I, also, you, you mentioned earlier about all the things that you brought in or you worked on last year bringing in. I mean, I, I went to several games last year, really enjoyed the pirate lights. Uh, I love what y'all are doing with the entrance video and purple haze. Can you maybe give us some, uh, some looking at, we're trying to look into what, what we could see this year. If we do have fans, is, is there anything new that, that you might have in, in the store for us? Well, I think we're we're going to pivot a few of our game day elements, and I'm not sure exactly what those are yet. Um, our focus this year uh, was going to be, and of course still is, on our sponsorship elements. Uh, I want to give a lot of credit to Megan Henson and her crew for being very receptive. Um, you know, they ECU football has fallen on some tough times, and you know when you fall on some tough times, it, it gives your sponsors a lot of leeway. Um, you know, when they're giving dollars to these programs and saying, "Well, we we want to see this." And so they've done an incredible job working with us on shifting a lot of these elements. Um, you know, one of my dreams for ECU is to be able to provide um, cut-ins to other games during the timeouts. I would love it if we could give updates on three or four games throughout the game so you could kind of follow what's going on in the other American Athletic or North Carolina schools. Um, similar to what you would see in a television broadcast, you know, you come out of that commercial break and they have – you know, here's what's going on in Raleigh. Here's what's going on in Philadelphia. And then, you know, back to game action. I would love to see that because I think that one of the areas we battle the most is, you know, if our games and win or lose in any school in the country, you're starting to see people leave once the games sort of get out of a two touchdown zone mm -hmm. uh, because it's comfortable for them to go to their tailgate and say, well, I'll keep an eye on the ECU game, but I also want to know what's going on at XYZ games. So, I would like to provide that experience uh, to Pirate fans to sort of mitigate that. Now, Eric, uh, what kind of advice would you give to someone maybe trying to break into the game day operations field and, and the fan engagement uh, section of, of what you do? Well, um, I say this to all students. I mean, I think getting internships uh, earlier in college than later is, is huge. Um, you know, we have an internship program, I believe uh, Justin most recently told me, whoever sees that, it's somewhere in the ballpark of 25. Um, and those those students do a wonderful job with us. But, you know, we get a lot that will come along, you know, in their senior year. And, and it's tough because it really is a full long process, a year long process of learning. Um, so the earlier, the better. But there are so many opportunities to to learn and grow as a student. Like you don't have to be a full time professional to get first class experience. And I'll give you an example that just in this last year, you know, we had two of our veteran interns who were in year three of their program uh, who actually handled the day-to-day -day marketing and game day production for the soccer and lacrosse programs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these are NCAA division one sports like that. That's huge for them. Mm -hmm. So really just getting involved helps. I mean, reaching out to people in the field. Um, I had an intern when I was at South Carolina who did a phenomenal job which is trying to build correspondence with people all over the country. And that person is now running social media for a professional sports team. And, and that, that came from, you know, making those connections. Um, I think that people in the marketing industry generally are very friendly. You know, we work every day with, you know, dealing with fans. And, and as you mentioned earlier, it's a very wide variety of, of situations and people that you're working with. So we have a good idea and understanding, and there's a lot of empathy, you know, with working the long hours. So we're, we're super, uh, super helpful with, with students who want to get involved. And, um, you know, just getting that experience is so crucial. Yeah, and that, that, that's, a, that's a very good point. Now, going back, I know you, you mentioned the Texas Tech and work, working with the baseball and basketball teams there. Now, 
I want to kind of pivot and talk a little bit about ECU basketball. Um, uh, since since Joe Dooley has come in, some of the work that um, I know you've been working on for for the basketball program, um, I, I've seen a lot of changes. I mean, you know, you know me. I'm a I'm a former Menchie's Maniacs um, president. What what changes do you think have had the greatest impact for the basketball program? That's a great question. I, I mean, I, I love. I mean, this is unrelated to the the in-game experience, but I love all the changes we've been able to do over in Menji's, um, just seeing the graphics. I mean, I, I will admit when I first uh, started at East Carolina, I was a little jarred at, at how just gray and bland the arena was. And so <laughs> I do appreciate, um, you know, John Gilbert and company coming in and making it a priority to fix a lot of those things. I mean, I think those aesthetics first and foremost set a, a tone and impression. Um, but I think from our staff's perspective, uh, the biggest changes have been in the flow of the game. Um, you know, when I when I was first starting, I was building off of, of scripts from the past, and there were some pretty major uh, things about the game day I just wasn't comfortable with. I thought we was uh, putting ourselves in a position to not take advantage of, of runs throughout the game. Um, I thought that the video board uh, was not being utilized the best way it could. I mean, I, I – I wish we had a center hung video board. I don't think that's ever going to be impossible or be possible in Menji's. But, you know, with what we have, I think there were a lot of areas we were missing. The biggest thing that, that our team can do is just the best possible job to engage the people who are at the games. And I, I will say it was a little bit sad when I first started that, you, you know, people are just checked out from tip off. I don't think that's the case anymore. I mean, I think that people are, are legitimately into the games. Um, I think that we have built a very solid foundation that, you know, the moment this program starts winning and that's coming very, very soon, I think that's going to be the hottest ticket in town. I really do. I mean, I, I think that you will see a, a shocking growth in attendance uh, to the point where we are, you know, reaching capacity virtually every game. And we had that in many cases last year. We were having, you know, tickets being sold on the top level of the arena, which was not the case at all in my first few years here. So Coach Dooley has has brought in a winning formula. I mean, you guys know his resume as good as me. I mean, he's been a winner everywhere he's been, and he's got the right guys doing that. But the last thing I'll say on that note is, you know, we take great pride in our student section. And I know it has been tough uh, for many, many years in, in really building a super engaging student section. Um, the big focus we have had in our giveaways the last two years has been specifically on students because I think if we can just get people in the building, they can they can understand, hey, this is a good time and they'll come back. And, uh, you know, between the giveaways and the dollar hot dogs and, uh, you know, our IMG folks have done, done some food giveaways. I mean, I think that's helped. I mean, the, certainly the student attendance has really taken a significant bump the last each of the last two years. So I really think that continuing to get students who otherwise would not come to basketball games in the building can only benefit us in the long term. Yeah. And I mean, as somebody, like I said, as, as somebody that was very involved in Minji's Maniacs, uh, I, I know all that goes into place that you work with and Justin works with and really getting, trying to get more students to the games. And that, that's a big thing. Um, it, it gives you a huge psychological advantage. Now, also going off of that, you, talking about Joe Dooley, talking about some of the other coaches, do they have any kind of say or do they do you ever work with the, the coaches on um, ideas for for game day ops? Yeah, all the time. Um, you know, I think that I'm very fortunate. I'm in a position where I feel that I have a great deal of trust with pretty much every coaching staff here. And so um, they know they can rely on me first and foremost to deliver what they're asking for. But all coaches have ideas and frankly, they're all great ideas. You know, they, they get the opportunity and luxury to go to these schools all over the country. Now, some coaches are, are better than others because depending on the flow of the sport, you know, they may be able to notice these things versus other sports, but you know, our coaches have done a great job at providing ideas and saying, Hey, we went to Wichita state and here's what they do. That's pretty neat. Do you think we could do something similar? Um, that does happen, but you know, we, we have a lot of leeway, um, and I've worked with coaching staffs in the past that are that are a little bit more on top of these sort of things and demanding of exactly what they want. But you know, our coaches are usually pretty great and trusting that we're going to do what we do. But 
Um, no, I mean, I, I, I will say that pretty much any time a coach comes to us and says, well, we, we really would like to see this, we get it done. So uh, certainly that opportunity is always there. Gotcha. Now we've talked about some of the uh, short-term goals. What would, if you had to choose, what would be some long-term goals three, four, five years from now that you would like to see? Oh man, great question. Um, I mean, I, you know, Megan Hinch, you know, I referenced earlier, one of my long-term goals is eliminating PAs from all games, you know, mm -hmm. just straight up sponsorship commercials, whether it be video board commercials or reads. Um, I think that if we could get to that point, then we would be to the moon in our game day experience. And I, and I know this firsthand because we were able to accomplish that at Texas tech. And uh, to the point that my last year there, we were actually named by stadium journey who, by the way, you guys got to check that out. I think these guys have the coolest job in the world. They go to every professional and college sporting event or like mm -hmm. venue, and then they rank them on a bunch of different factors. It's really, really cool. Yeah. That's um, awesome. I kind of want to sign up for that career to be honest, but <laughs> I'll do this one for now, but they, um, they, they rank them in Texas Tech that year was was the number six experience in college football. And basically all the other teams in that top 15 were the ones you would greatly expect are there. Mm. And I think that was a huge part of it because, um, you know, there's a ways to creative, creatively advertise um, without, you know, PAs and commercials. And I, and I just can't say enough great things about Megan and her crew because they really strive for that and work hard with us to do that. But that's a long term one for sure. Um, I think that, you know, we, we Houston McCullough on our staff handles social media. And so, you know, our unit handles the strategy and she's doing a lot of the legwork of that. You know, I would love to see us be able to grow that department um, from one person to multiple people and, and have a lot of more um, video content. And, you know, it's it's a tough job for her. I mean, she's serving, you know, 16 different programs and you know, all sorts of units within the department. And, you know, I give her a lot of credit because she carved out a role over the last year that we never had at ECU um, and the metrics speak for themselves and what we're able to do. So long-term, I would love to be able to grow that because I just think the more opportunities we can um, utilize telling the, the stories of our student athletes, the better it is. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we're proud pirates. We're, we're rooting for the logo. Um, we'd love to know the, the players that are behind that too. Um, Cause it's not always about winning and losing. It's about being pirates and supporting those who wear those uniforms. And that's really the story I'm trying to tell our team's trying to tell yeah and that, that's something that excites me for sure i mean watching and seeing so getting to know the athletes i mean are you now we've we've gotten to know some of the athletes just by um talking to them off the record and that, that that's been that's been great to do but I, I want pirate nation to be able to experience something similar to what we get to experience every single day now I have one more question about the game day operations and sure. about fan engagement. So um, you mentioned earlier, we talked about the entrance video. I know, I know it's always a big topic of discussion and something everybody always looks forward to every single year for Pirate Palooza, seeing that preview and, and getting to get that first look at it right before the football season, get pumped up for, um, for the football season. What what are y'all gonna be doing? When are, when are you expecting to release that um, to to the general public? So that way, um, since since we can't see it at Pirate Palooza this year, since that's probably gonna be canceled, um, what what are y'all planning on doing? Yeah, so that would be uh, on our first game day, um, and typically, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, you know, Curtis Thiemann with Port City Films has been integral with us over the last few years, um, and not just the intro video, but you talk about vision. One of the things we, you know, I personally identified from the day I started here and fortunately I've gotten in a position where I could kind of persuade this was changing the no quarter video, um, which I think it's a great video, but it certainly was dated. And moving to that live action video last year, I think was huge. Um, I mean, it, it really speaks to what we are all about. So Curtis Thiemann is just phenomenal with us. He's going to be able to deliver us that video uh, in the week leading up to the first game. We'll probably do an event with the team uh, where we're able to showcase it uh, for them. But depending on what you know our game days look like this year, I think that uh, that video would be released sometime on or shortly before game day. Um, the first game day to kind of get that at last extra juice um, in the system before the game. And uh, I mean, I will tell you that uh, you, you hit the nail on the head talking about there's, there's a lot of opinions about it and it, it is tough. Um, 
and I love it. And that's what makes it so much fun is trying to deliver, you know, intro videos for all these different sports that, I mean, I will tell you that is probably the number one thing we get from coaching staffs is ideas related to intro videos. And, uh, you know, we work them out that way, but I think we have a winning formula with what we're doing. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the ghost on the wind poem. I think that's a integral part of the fabric of what East Carolina is all about. You know, the, the pirate coming from the seas to lead us to victory. I mean, I think that's just really cool. And the, every opportunity to kind of involve that is big for me. So I think we have a winning formula and just making tweaks to me is the most important thing in the near future, rather than, you know, blowing it up and building it from scratch every year. Cause we have something our fans do like right now. So finding ways to just slowly improve that I think is the key. Yeah, that, that's great. And it, going, talking about the no quarter, if you ever need anybody to raise the no quarter flag, I know two guys host <laughs> a podcast. Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're available anytime. You, you let us know we're there. Okay. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and I'm not, you know, it's funny you say that because I'm really working to find some new opportunities to involve fans on game days, maybe not this year, but you know, next year and beyond. And one of my dreams, another one I should have mentioned earlier, is getting maybe a celebrity like purple gold starter. I think that'd be something that'd be really cool. Like if we get HV3 out there, getting the crowd whipped up, leading into purple gold, I think that would be awesome. So hopefully that's something we can do. Um, I know there's a lot more logistics of it and who you select and whatnot, but I would love to do that at some point. Yeah, that, that, would, that would be amazing. We're open to that, too. Um, last question. So I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to some of the other podcasts that we've done or some of the other interviews we've done with some, some great guests. Um, our, we always ask our last question. We ask. Hardest question we'll ask the, the, yeah, it's the hardest one you were going to ask. Okay. So okay. you're ready. <laughs> okay. Right. So after a Pirates victory, you go downtown to celebrate and, uh, you walk into a great establishment called Sup Dogs. You sit <laughs> okay. down, and uh, you're, you're there to celebrate. It's time. You're hungry. What's your What's your order? Full order. Well, I'm a uh, I'm a pretty standard hot dog guy. You know, I, I don't get into the the condiments too much in most things. So the hot dog would be uh, pretty basic, but you can't you can't go wrong with that with the sup crush. I mean, there's nothing like that after a game and. Uh, I can say from experience, I've been there, so uh, this isn't just giving you lip service. Are, are, we, are we talking just plain hot dog? You, you like you like just plain? Yeah, man, I'm a I'm a child in that way. I uh, okay. I'm just not a big condiment guy, but you know, it's funny. I see all the different. I do like a little chili on a hot dog from time to time. I will mm-hmm. say, I but uh, I I'm impressed by uh, how many ways you can make a hot dog. You know, it's. Yeah. You never really would have thought about that as a thing until uh, being here and seeing that at Sup Dogs in that menu. It's impressive. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, I, I love it. I, I'm craving it. I've been craving it. So we'll, we'll have to get down there. We'll, we've, got, we've got a running list of people that we're going to meet at, meet at Sup Dogs. We'll, just, we'll hit everybody up at the same time. <laughs> Anytime, we'll, man. We'll just have a huge party down at, down at Sup Dogs before game day, okay? Uh, uh, I love it. But, Eric, uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, this week it's been a it's been a real pleasure thank you for all you do for the for the university um work as somebody that's worked with you in the past i mean i i can honestly say you are one of the hardest working individuals that i know so um keep it up and and go pirates jared Artie, thank you so much for the kind words and the time uh it's always an honor to share some time with some loyal pirates so go pirates absolutely we appreciate it all right eric thank you Once again, we wanted to thank Eric Ward for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast this week. I, I mean, somebody as somebody that knows Eric personally and has worked with Eric in the past, I mean, I've got to say, I mean, he he is, even though he went to South Carolina, he is a true pirate. He wants ECU to, to succeed, and he's been integral in playing a part in driving that momentum forward mm-hmm. over the past couple of years um, that we've seen. Um Really, really created a, an experience inside Dowdy Ficklin that is on par with the Power Five conferences and better than most of the other schools in, in our conference. So um, we wanted to give a shout-out once again to Eric Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, 
I, I really enjoyed that interview. I, I really enjoyed talking to him and and hearing how kind of that process works. Just his forward thinking, right? I mean, what he has plans for three, four, five years from now, um, what he wants to do, what he wants to see from the university. He's not he's not trying to be stagnant. He's not trying to stay with the status quo. He's trying to stay up to date, stay current. And that's what I really appreciated and took away from the interview. So yeah. really enjoyed it. So, yeah, great interview. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. But, Artie, we got, we got some more good news. Um, finally, some good news in, in this time of all the bad news. But um, <laughs> right now, or just I think it was yesterday, the NCAA voted to allow all fall athletes to add or keep their an extra year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Basically, this year, whether they compete or not, is not going to go against their eligibility as far as NCAA rulings. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you think, when you hear that, what's your thoughts? Um, my pimps at the NCAA made a common sense ruling. <laughs> to me, <laughs> this is this is common sense. We haven't we haven't experienced anything like this before. Obviously, the student athletes should not be penalized for this. They should not have a year of eligibility taken off for this. Uh, this should be a mulligan year, and that's what they decided. They gave they're giving them a mulligan. I already knows all about mulligans. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I think um, you know I don't I don't want to give the NCAA too much credit because this is just common sense to me. So yeah, I mean. I'm glad they did it finally. Mm-hmm. We all knew that it was coming or was needed, but they finally took it and said, "Hey, we're gonna actually we're actually gonna make the right decision for once." Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a believer in taking away the NCAA and trying to dismantle it, but <laughs> it's so big that you can't right. do it it's, now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the NCAA finally got one right. They finally they finally figured it out and honestly pulled their heads out of their ass and did what was right for the student athletes. Mm-hmm. We're, we're a podcast that, I mean, is in favor of the student athletes. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would say I'm, I'm pro student athlete. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, but we, when it comes down to it, we usually take the side of the student athletes. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, that's, that's what's happening this year. Um, I mean, it, it's, and it's really going to help out some guys on, on ECU. Um, a guy like Holden Aylers, a, a guy like Demetrius Mooney, those guys that, I mean, Mooney, I mean, I thought they were going to redshirt him last year. Um, Holt, I mean, I thought I thought they were going to um, redshirt him mm-hmm. his freshman year, but they let him play. I mean, so you're basically going to get a full five years mm-hmm. of Holt Nailers and th- without him having to redshirt. I mean, you're going to get that. He's going to build up. Think about it. This is his third season. If he decides to stay, that if cool. he decides yeah. to stay, but if he doesn't, or if he if he decides to stay and he doesn't go to the NFL, or he doesn't transfer, which we don't, I don't think he's going to transfer. No, I don't, I don't see him transfer. He, I could see a grad transfer eventually, but that, that's a completely different thing. I mean, that then his duties at ECU are complete, mm-hmm. right? He's he's done as much as he can at ECU, and then he he decides to grad transfer. Mm-hmm. But if he stays at ECU and plays the full five years, that's going to be the first time that, I mean, we've actually seen a quarterback pretty much go from freshman year to senior year and really get that extra fifth year mm-hmm. in there and say – Just ball out and just go and all just the way. Yeah. Ball out all week or all, all his whole career. And he's really going to he's really gonna break every record in the ECU record books, and it's not even going to be close. You can only hope. You can only hope that that happens. I mean, as long as he stays healthy, I mean that that's, that's probably yeah, yeah. I, I I could definitely see it from 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 him. Yeah, and then so some of the guys that I mean, you have some of the guys that were freshmen last year that mm-hmm. they could have redshirted, but they ended up the coaching staff needed them. So now that they're they're going to get an extra year, and this is just going to this really helps ECU. Absolutely, looking yeah. at it, this really really helps ECU. I I mean. To me, I, I think this is a a great opportunity for ECU to continue to build on the program that they're building, mm-hmm. and and really take this thing to the next level. And we're going to see some real studs playing at ECU for the next three or four years. 
And not to mention what Coach Houston is doing on the, on the recruiting trail. Right, he's just he's still killing it on the recruiting trail. I don't I don't remember. T- I don't know if Ruff was was like that. No, um, no shot. But I mean, this is no shot at Ruff. This is no shot at Ruff. Ruff was a terrible recruiter. Yeah, I mean, and I, I didn't really pay attention to Ruff when I <laughs> we were at school. To be honest with you, as far as his recruiting goes, um, like I, like I should have. But I know I know Coach Houston. He's really really proactive with the recruiting, really active with really getting out there, going into these kids' homes, getting whoever we need to get to build this program. So And pull, pulling in guys that have offers from other from top notch schools. Big like, name yeah. like and not, not just power five schools, but competitors at the power five level. Right. Mm-hmm. Um that that's I mean that's huge. That's what counts too. I mean that, that that's what makes you a winner. When you can grab those kids that are, you know, looking at a Clemson or looking at a Notre Dame or looking at an Alabama or looking at a Michigan, like and they choose us. That's what makes you a winner. So Yeah, and hopefully we can keep that up and continue to grow this this football team and um really be a, a menace in the American Athletic Conference and beyond in, in the next three or four years because I believe in in the next four or five years, you're going to see an American Athletic Conference team make the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. And why not it be us? Was that grammatically correct? I don't think. I don't think. Why not? Why shouldn't it be us? There we go. I, I'm, I'm gonna. Have, I'm gonna have people DMing this us again. This is why we need a soundboard so I can have like I can I can I can press a button and have one of a, one of our little ad libs come in. I do the grammar. <laughs> I do every, the grammar every time you do like a grammatical error, man. There, there's a way to do it on this computer, but I don't. I honestly don't know how. <laughs> that we, one of the one of the we get so, some DMs from y'all just responding about the podcast. One of the ones that I saw was um, really like it. Like that. Like it doesn't sound like it, you ever cut it or anything. Like you never edit it out, and that's because we really don't. We no, uh, we don't. We like y'all to hear what we are saying. Natural and in the nude. We we are not nude. That'd be that'd be really weird. That's what our podcast is, man. Natural and in the nude. No, We're, neither of us are nude. No, I'm not talking about <laughs> us. I'm talking about our content. Jesus, guys, we we've gotten so used to recording on Fridays and our. When our brains are still like functioning, yeah, I'm, I'm still waking up, and I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie, like, I'm even, not even though it's it's 11:30, 11:30, I'm still waking up. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say like, I mean, I may have had a little too much to drink last night, and <laughs> then had a 45 minute drive here to record, <laughs> so my my mind's not fully there. But um, and it's Sunday too, man. I'm and it's to, Sunday. After I'm, we start recording, I'm gonna go to my bed, and not do anything for the rest of the day. Yeah. I'm, so yeah, I think I think let's uh let's start to wrap it up here in here in a second. We don't have much more to talk about other than walk walk the, the plank. plank. So, Artie, you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll use the one that you gave me. Um, Chris Woodward, <laughs> who called out the young phenom in San Diego, Tatis Jr., who's going to be along with Mike Trout probably the face of baseball. For the next few years, Acuna. at least. Acuna. Well, Acuna's not on the field right now. He's at home nursing some sort of injury. so he, He's got <laughs> Xbox wrist, apparently. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So until he comes back, we're going to talk about Tatis Jr. Anyway. As long as he's better than Soto, I don't care. When I heard this, I thought it was a fabricated story. I was like, there's, there's no way this can be true. From what I'm getting is that Chris Woodward called out. Now, is he the pitcher? Is he the coach? Is he toward... Chris Woodward is the manager. The manager for yeah. the Texas Rangers called out Tatis Jr. for basically hitting a grand slam while they were up what eight eight to one in the eighth inning, and basically said it was unprofessional, uh, it was uncalled for, yada yada yada. Chris Woodward, please shut the hell up. You are a grown man coaching a bunch of other grown men on a professional baseball team if you don't want the man to hit a grand slam home run then maybe you guys should pitch better or maybe you should play better or maybe you should get more runs i don't know but that's not tatis jr's fault that's your problem not his problem i just <laughs> i i i couldn't stop laughing when i when i heard the story i really couldn't i, I mean like, i've never heard there's no such thing as running up the score no there's no such thing as running especially up the not score. in baseball not in, not in any professional sport 
There's you get no paid such to do thing. That. You get paid to do that. <laughs> if you don't want me to score, then stop me. Period. That's that's it. And it, my my thing, I mean, I I am all for Fernando Tatis taking that ball and going mammo with that thing. I was upset that he apologized. He had nothing to apologize yeah. for. And, and that's what Trevor Bauer said. Like Trevor Bauer, I mean, one of the most outspoken characters in in Major League Baseball. He basically came out and said, like, hey, what you did, you did nothing wrong. The only thing you did wrong was apologize. You shouldn't have of apologized. I mean, a bat flip is worse than that. Uh, and a bat flip ain't even bad. <laughs> you best believe you best believe if I walk up and my team's already laying seven runs on, on your ass, like you I'm, be- I'm not taking it easy on you. I get paid to come out here but and, you- and, and and hit home runs and, and hit Ground rule doubles and singles. That's that's what I get paid to do. You, you that's best, my job. You best believe. You're telling me I'm supposed to take it easy on you? That when I hit a grand slam to put my team up by 10 or 11, you best believe I'm going to pimp that shit. And I'm probably going to do Yeah, I'm probably going to do a bat flip. Yeah. yeah. And I'm probably going to look at you and say, yeah, I just hit one off of you, bro. Been doing this all day. Do better. The, <laughs> a, a crazy stat. Already get this. In the last six games... The San Diego Padres have five grand slams. But well, no other team has three this season. Nobody has more home runs in the last seven games than my Chicago White Sox. Seven straight wins, by the way. Just just wanted to point that out. They also play in the AL Central. Seven straight wins. I don't want to hear no slander come from this Atlanta Braves mouth of yours. The Braves. We will make the playoffs. The Braves have and we will faces of our franchise to be reckoned with. They've been on the injured list for the last three well, weeks. Y'all can cry me a river. It's not my and problem. Lost our ace <laughs> starting pitcher. That is not to an Achilles. That is not a problem. A with torn the Chicago Achilles White tendon. Sox. Torn Achilles tendon, and are still leading the NL East. That sounds like an Atlanta problem. Hey, we're still in the lead. We're still in the lead. We're still the best team in our division. I just wanted to give my my team a plug. Hey, so. I, I don't. I, hey, the Dash are cool. <laughs> the Charlotte Knights are cool. Go White Sox. <laughs> Either way, walk the plank. Chris, whatever his name is, Chris manager, Woodward. Chris Woodward, manager of the Rangers. You should be ashamed of yourself. That's just absurd to me. Hey, I, I'm with you. So, Chris, walk the damn plank. Walk the damn plank. All right. So my walk the plank. Um, mine is for Tom Brenneman. Um, if you don't know <laughs> who this man is, this man. It, I, he, I know he used to call games. He used to call some football games, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, called, he calls football for Fox. Yeah, he, he's, he's, like, st- he's still well. He well until you know last week. He still called football games. Yeah, for Fox. He, he's one. Of, he's one of the broadcasters oh, for Tom Brown. Fox. Uh, he works for Fox Sports uh, Ohio or Cincinnati, whatever it is. Uh, he's the, I believe he's the play-by-play voice or was the play-by-play voice of the Cincinnati Reds. Um, well, Tom, uh, Tom, Tom said a homophobic slur, which he, he was caught by a hot mic, but even then, if you're saying it around a mic, like if you're, if you have the balls to say it around a mic, his first half ass apology was, well, I didn't know the mic was on. I, that, you know, had the mic been on, I wouldn't have said it. Of course you wouldn't have said it had you known the mic was on, man. We're talking about the character of, of, of who you yeah. are. Like, yeah. Like, you made, like, you shouldn't be saying that thing whether the mic's on or off. <laughs> like, come on, man. And then, <laughs> and then his, his apology. His on-air apology. Uh, Artie. I, I sh- y'all, I showed Artie this apology, this man's <laughs> apology. Uh, let's, see, let's see if I can pull it up and, and play it here. <laughs> Oh my goodness! We got a we got an ad, <laughs> of course. Fifty second ad for a fifteen second. Lead things off. Jim Day's going to be taking us the rest of the way through this game as Holland takes over on the mound. Um, I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess uh, went out over the air that I am deeply ashamed of. Um, If I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith, 
As there's a drive in a deep left field by <laughs> Castellanos, it will be a home run. Tom! And so that'll make it a 4 What are we doing? Bogey. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. You're not. You're not. I don't know if it's You're halfway through an Reds. apology. Oh, there's one deep, deep to the left center. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> that, that is the... How are you going to give a half-ass apology on air? That, that is the single-handedly... How are you going to go on air and funniest give a half-ass apology? That's the funniest thing that I've seen. Like, <laughs> this man... He just got pretty much told, hey, you're fired. We're going to let you go on and make an apology to try to save some face, but you're fired. And, and he then, can't even get halfway through the apology before he continues calling a game that, he, that he's been relieved of. Like, and, and then Nick Castellanos comes up and goes, like, hits a ball, probably 415 feet, hits a bomb. Home run. He calls the home run during his apology. And the best part about it, the irony of this, the best part was the sign, the Planet Fitness sign, no free ads, <laughs> that said judgment-free zone. <laughs> Tom, walk the damn plank. I have never, and we were talking about this, I have never seen more of a real-life Brock Meyer in my life. And they were playing in that Kansas City, which is like... Brock Meyer. Which is like the... <laughs> they were playing in Kansas City, which is where Brock Meyer had his meltdown. You can catch Tom Brenneman next season calling Winston Salem Dash games. Nah, <laughs> that, that, that's uh, that's something for Josh Graham, of former East Carolina or ECU alumni, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's he's doing that. But yeah, um, Tom walked the plate, man. And I don't I don't think you're ever gonna put it on another headset. No, it's probably not gonna happen. And if you do, it'll probably be sitting in your retirement home. It won't be for anybody important, I can tell you that. Listening to a ball game. You're going to have one of those Bluetooth headsets that <laughs> your wife makes you get because you can't hear the TV, and that's the only way you can hear the TV. <laughs> All right, Tom, walk the damn plank. Don't use homophobic slurs. Don't use any slurs. Be kind to people. Love people. Be generous. Be Whether compassionate. Live or not live? Unless they're an NC State fan. <laughs> I'm kidding. NC State lives matter too. All right. <laughs> Shut up, Jerry. <laughs> On that note, Artie, I, I think we're I think we're good for for this yeah. podcast. <laughs> We've used all the brain cells we have for today. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're done. Yo, Kiara, Aqua. Um, I think that's it. All absolutely. right. Until next week, Pirate Nation. Stay, stay healthy. Safe, stay healthy. Absolutely. Wear your damn mask. Yep. We'll see y'all next week. Go Pirates. <laughs>